Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined once again. He is back, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? All right. Still feeling a little bit of that East Coast time zone, especially after having, you know, a 20-hour travel day right after four hours of sleep. Oh, that I mean, you know, that just sounds like a great time to me. I thought my travel schedule was bad doing the flight and then the drive back to back days, but I think I'd rather do that than, you know, all at once, so to speak. Um, yeah, just uh I that's what happens when you go to a, the airport 6 hours earlier hoping to get an earlier flight and it doesn't happen. Nope, yep, and you're just left sitting there killing time. I feel that I was I was 6 hours in Nashville on a layover this trip, but anyway, we are here today a little bit tired but none the worse for wear. To break down week 18, last week of the regular season, Packers Bears in Lambeau, playoff spot on the line, Bears trying to play spoiler in Lambeau in January, in the winter. I mean, as a famous Packers quarterback once said, how can you not be romantic about football? I mean, if you were thinking and about those are the, the only quotes from him we need to talk about this. Exactly. But that's the thing is like, I feel like this is just like, is there anything more football iconic than Packers Bears Week 18 game on the line Winter Lambo game? I mean, come on, this is going to be. It would be, be nice so to get fun. a snow globe game. I don't oh, think we're going to get it's going to snow the day before, so I don't think we're going to get a snow globe game. But that would be pretty cool. Hey, we can always hope. We can always hope. But anyway, we are here to break down this game, talk to you a little bit about what we're seeing in the numbers, what we're seeing when we're looking at both these teams, the trajectory of both these teams. Bears have been really hot. Packers have been. Sometimes hot, sometimes not. But we're going to be talking all about that. Before we do, though, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new articles out, uh, pieces of uh, when we have new. Sorry, when we have new episodes out, we tweet out articles that we find interesting, um, pieces of stats that we find when researching for these episodes, uh, videos that we find interesting, pieces of Packers news, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then come come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's uh, Google Podcasts. Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube as well if you want to check that out there. Um, yeah, so, you know, come check us out wherever yeah. if you like what you hear. And then also, I just wanted to shout out, you know, I was recently a guest on Hey, We Like Your Pod um, with Matt and Don, and we had a great time talking about, you know, Packers fandom and about this upcoming game. So go check them out as well. They are awesome. They are always doing a great job of putting a spotlight on different Packers content creators. And, you know, if you don't love listening to us you can definitely find another great Packers content creator through them and they are also great content creators in and of themselves but yeah so go check out that episode go check out their podcast they are great but dad should we get talking about this game or is there anything else you wanted to say oh I just want to say if you like what you're hearing tonight um thank Tommy for getting me a new mic stand so that I can get for Christmas, he got tired of me knocking it over in the middle of the episodes. There would definitely probably be about a cut every single episode where you had <laughs> oh, it wasn't quite that much. Because sometimes I caught it without you, it making noise. You say that, but <laughs> I think our list I think our listeners might say differently. You think our listeners know better? But anyway, let's start breaking down this game, Dad, and start as we always do with the injury report. It is a bit of a full one for the Packers and for the Bears as well, honestly. But let's start with the players who are not going to be playing this weekend. For the Packers, that is A.J. Dillon. Uh, it is actually for a stinger that he sustained last week against the Vikings. It is not for that broken thumb, according to Matt LaFleur. And then Rudy Ford will be out in this game as well. He's missed a few in a row now, so 
sucks for that, that, uh, you know, he's going to not be able to close out the regular season. And then on the Bears side, Darnell Mooney, uh, their second receiver, who has the third most receiving yards on the year for the Bears, for pro football reference, is also going to be out in this game. So definitely some key losses from both sides, whether that's, you know, A.J. Dillon, who oftentimes handles up to about half the carries for the Packers, and then Darnell Mooney, you know, one of their leading receivers on that team. Moving on to doubtful, though, where I think we have some more interesting things. For the Packers, Isaiah McDuffie, linebacker, is doubtful in this one. Kind of expected, given the fact that, you know, that injury on Sunday against the Vikings when he got kind of slammed between a few people did not look great. But he is doubtful in this one. But for the Bears, this is a bit interesting. Jalen Johnson, their Pro Bowl corner. Keep an eye on his availability. He is doubtful in this game with a shoulder injury, and he hasn't practiced this week. So that is definitely something to keep an eye on there. He would be a huge loss for them. I believe PFF has him as either a top three corner, I believe, in coverage this year. Number one. Number one. In coverage grade. Goodness. No, yeah, he's had a great year. Not having him this uh, game could be a huge loss for the Bears. Moving down to questionable, we got a few more names for each team. Uh, For the Packers, Elton Jenkins is questionable. He did say he was feeling pretty good yesterday when they talked to him in the locker room. Logged a limited practice on Friday. You know, we hope we see him out there. Jaden Reed uh, is questionable, but he did practice at least every single day this week, although he was limited each day this week. Preston Smith uh, didn't practice uh, Wednesday or Thursday. He is questionable, but he was limited on Friday, and he's only missed one game in his career. Uh, So... I think he's probably going to try and tough it out. Uh, It's with that ankle injury that he sustained against the Vikings. He was able to come back in that game too. So that is at least another good sign. Christian Watson uh, is questionable. He practiced Wednesday and Thursday, but not Friday. Although Matt LaFleur said that that was kind of the game plan and that they just wanted to give him a day of rest for the game. Um, He said earlier this week, Watson, that is, that he expects to play in this game. So, you know, Maybe we'll have Watson back, which could be very exciting. Dontavian Wicks, also questionable. He was a full participant both Thursday and Friday, so it's kind of expected that he should play, hopefully, you know, knock on wood. Um, And then there are three players who are questionable but have not been activated from IR yet, and those are Luke Musgrave, Luke Tenuta, and Emmanuel Wilson. So they are all listed as questionable. They could be activated. I believe that has to be done by tomorrow. Um, And the Packers are currently at 53 players on their roster, so they would have to cut someone if they wanted to activate either any of them off of IR. Um, Cut or move to to IR, I suppose. Somebody's got a nagging entry. Exactly. Um, And then on the Bears side, just to wrap things up, Kyla Gordon, uh, one of their starting corners, uh, was not listed as uh, any injury, but then was limited on Friday. Um, So that is something he was listed with a calf injury. That is something where they might be out both of their starting corners in this game, which would be a really big blow to a Chicago defense that we're going to talk all about in this episode. And then Khalil Herbert also was not listed Wednesday or Thursday, but then didn't practice Friday. Um, He was listed with a combination of a back injury and then not injury related personal. So, you know, hopefully everything's going on, you know, off the field. Okay with him, Um, but they might be without him on uh, this weekend. He is questionable. Cole Komet, um, he participated more in each practice each day, but he is questionable, but he was up to a full participant on Friday. So expect him to play. Lucas Patrick, you might remember him, former Packer, was not listed uh, Wednesday or Thursday, but then was limited Friday uh, with a calf injury as well. So that is something to keep an eye on. And then Patrick Scales, their long snapper, um, was a full participant Friday. He is questionable. They did sign a long snapper to their practice squad. So, you know, just in case I think he was not able to play. But the fact that he was able to participate fully on Friday does seem to be a good stretch. Dad, I know I've been talking for a while. My mouth is feeling dry. I'm going to throw it over to you. Any thoughts on any of these injuries for either team? 
Well, I'd say like some of the the good news for the Packers again, the very side is that there's no designations for Campbell or Aaron Jones or Jair or Josh Myers or Quay Walker. So some players who maybe picked up injuries in the last game, like Myers, or missed the last game, like Campbell and Jair, and and players who have had a lot of weeks of injuries, like Jones. And I think that's going to be good for having you know, our, especially with McDuffie out to have. Campbell and Walker seem like you're going to be a full ghost because we're going to need guys who can go sideline to sideline and try oh, yeah. to chase after fields and be nice to have Jair see if he's up to full strength, full speed to um, go against DJ Moore. Yeah, we're going to talk all about the threat that DJ Moore poses. Before we get into specifics, though, just a bit of you know general information coming up on this game. Some quick facts. The game is in Lambeau, 325 Central Time kickoff. It's supposed to be cloudy with a high of 36. You know, hopefully it doesn't start raining or it might get really nasty for the fans out there. It's not supposed to, though. Packers are favored by three with an over-under of 45 for an implied score of 24 to 21 Green Bay. Um, Dad, anything about that general stuff or should we start talking about uh, some of the challenges the Bears present? Yeah, yeah. essentially that basically in a neutral field, they're about even. Yep. Yep. Based on the you know what the what the uh, odds makers think, yeah, usually around three points worth about you know home field advantage. You know, I, I, that makes sense. I I don't know. I guess it both teams are kind of on a hot streak for different reasons. Yeah, and you know, we're going to talk all about that. But let's start talking about the Bears, though, Dad. Unless there was anything you wanted to add there. Nope, I would start talking about the the Bears in general. That they've, as I said, they're a bit on a on a bit of a hot streak too. Most seem to be mostly driven by their defense, but they've won. Four of their last five, and five of three since trading for Montez Sweat uh, near the trade deadline. And, you have, and that's after starting two and six. So it was a pretty big turnaround. Yeah, I've been kind of looking at their splits a little bit differently. I've been looking at it, you know, they started two and seven and are since five and two. But you can look at it in several ways. You know, that that kind of cutoff of when Montez Sweat came there is also, you know, interesting to pull stats from. I've been pulling a lot of mine. You know, they started two and seven. They had one game with Sweat, and then he kind of, you know, locked into his spot on the team and they've been five and two you know since he had that game of warm-up but yeah five and two in their last seven two and seven before that they are definitely hitting a hot streak they are seven and nine on the year um some traditional statistics uh per ftn fantasy they are 13th in points per drive on offense or sorry 13th in points per drive and 22nd in yards per drive on offense. Uh, Compare that to Green Bay, 9th and 7th. And then they are 14th in points per drive and 8th in yards per drive allowed on defense. Uh, Green Bay is 23rd and 25th. By DVOA, which kind of takes into account, you know, strength of opponent, they are 14th on defense, 17th against the pass, and 4th against the run. And then they are 23rd on offense, 23rd in passing and 10th in in rushing. And then they are 20th in special teams. Green Bay is down at 27th, for those of you keeping track at home. Dad, anything stand out to you, uh, just the general, some of these general markers for the uh, Bears. I think, you know, for me, a lot of the whole season stats don't actually tell the whole story of this Bears team because they're just a completely different team the last seven weeks to me. They were so bad in the beginning of the year. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the details of that earlier. And then they actually turned it around, uh, especially in defense. Oh, I mean, their t- offense yeah. has gotten a little better, but the defense has gotten like, it's like a completely different team out there now. Well, compared already, to the the first week of the year, since we're already doing it, we're already saying some nice things. Let's start with our first section, which is "Hey now, hey now, play nice." Uh, let's talk about some things nice about the Bears. You know what they've been doing well, how they've been, you know, being a better team recently. Dad, take it away. So yeah, like I said, they their defense has been really good the second half of the year after a rough start. So since week nine, when they first got Montez Sweat, and as you said, you you could say, well, if 
the first game is kind of a throwaway because he's not ready or integrated and even better. But I decided to go there. But but since, since he first came there, they're second in the league in defensive EPA per play per RBSDM.com, behind only the Browns, who you know people recognize been like a, a, monster, a defensive monster most of the year. An enormous turn, turnaround from the, fir- the, the first eight weeks of the year, they were 30th. So they went from 30th to second. Um, mm-hmm. In that time, they are second. So in, in the second half of the year, they are second in drop-back EPA, sixth in drop-back success rate, seventh in rush EPA, and 13th in, in rush success rate. So a little bit lower there. Um, per PFF, if you want to look at a different uh, way of measuring things, over the last seven weeks, um, so, so since coming to the Bears, Sweat is tied for third in the league with eight sacks. And he holds the unusual distinction of currently leading two different teams in sacks at the same time. That's definitely a nice little fun stat. Like somewhere like three or four years down the line, there'll be some trivia questions somewhere. It's like, who was the last play? And we'll know. Montez Sweat. Honestly, though, he has been super impactful to their team. Uh, one stat that I pulled, uh, most of my stats are over their, you know, quote unquote, win streak of being five and two in their last seven. I kind of threw out that loss right before. Um, but since they added Montez Sweat in week nine, uh, so, you know, every game he's played for the Bears, they've gone from 14.9 pressures per game in the seven games without him. Uh, and then, uh, sorry, eight games without him. And then 19.6 pressures per game in the eight games with him. So, you know, averaging almost five more pressures per game. And then they've gone from one and a half sacks per game to about three sacks a game. So they're doubling the number of sacks, adding about five more pressures a game with him on the team. He's been a really big impact for them. And did you have anything else you wanted to talk about, you know, about how they've ticked it up there on defense? Because I have some, you know, just general things about how they've improved was also what I was going to talk about. Yeah, it looks like you got a lot of detail there. You should uh, you should go over. Maybe too much. Uh, we're going to see. <laughs> but um, here's the thing. So I was looking at it based on, you know, they started the season two and seven, and then they're five and two since then. So the, what I was going to talk about is how much they've improved in these last seven games where, you know, they seem to be really playing a lot of good football since that win they had over the Panthers. They played the Lions very close right after that, and then they beat the Lions the next time they played them. They really should have beaten them the first time, too. They just kind of, you know, just kind of fell into a, you win, you lose one out of a hundred of those types of games, and they fell into that one out of a hundred. But despite being twentieth in DVOA on the year per FTN fantasy, this is kind of you know my first piece of evidence to how they've improved. They are seventh in weighted DVOA, which kind of puts a greater emphasis on more recent games than games earlier in the year. That's per FTN fantasy. I think I probably already said that, but is, just that's offense defense. That's offense defense combined. That's offense defense combined. Special teams combined as well. Just total total team. They are seventh in the league <sighs> in weighted DVOA. So they don't think that there are seven teams playing better than the Bears are right now per FTN fantasy. And then this is some interesting stats per RBSDM and Pro Football Reference. Um, comparing how their first nine games were or then when they were two and seven to how the last seven games are when they're five and two. They have gone on offense, we'll start there, from 23rd in EPA per play up to 18th, 12th in success rate. They've actually fallen down to 28th. That is an interesting piece that I'm going to talk about later. But 25th in EPA per dropback up to 19th, 19th in dropback success rate to 28th. So they are seeming to be in that passing game, especially, maybe a little bit less successful down to down. But they are hitting on more big plays and turning the ball over less, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, They've gone from 5th in EPA per rush to 11th and 6th in rushing success rate to 19th. From 2 turnovers per game per Fox Sports to 1 turnover per game. So the big difference is they're hitting on more explosive plays in the passing game. Running game has gone down a little bit. 
from that earlier stretch in the season when they were unsuccessful to now when they're five and two in the last seven. But they're really just a slightly more balanced offense in terms of rushing game is still pretty solid, still borderline top 10. But they're able to hit some big plays in the pass game and then they're not turning the ball over as much. But where you really see the improvement. Sorry, do you want to add something there? Oh, I was just going to say it's possible that um, for their their rushing success, that may have something to do with player availability during some of that streak. Also, where very Khalil Herbert was out for a while, and he, by a lot of metrics, he's actually been the the best graded of the running back of the three running yeah. backs who've had the most work. So he, he some of that may ha- be circumstances of individual, a few individual players rather than overall team uh, performance. It's a very good point. Um, but the defense is really where it stands out their improvement. Now, um, you talked all about, and so this will be a little bit repetitive, but for me, just, you know, from the two and seven streak to the five and two streak, they've actually gone from 30th in EPA per play all the way to first, 20th in success rate allowed all the way to first, 31st in EPA per dropback allowed all the way to first in the league in EPA per dropback allowed over this five and two stretch. Uh, 31st in dropback success rate, all the way to second in dropback success rate allowed. They have, you know, their run defense has fallen a little bit. And so, you know, it's kind of similar to that, you know, what's happening to them on offense where, you know, they're just becoming a little more even. Uh, The big improvements have been in their passing game. Their EPA per rush has gone from third to ninth. It's still quite good. Rush success rate allowed has gone from fourth to 14th. Still pretty solid. The other big thing is they're forcing way more turnovers over this seven-game stretch. Gone from one turnover force per game to over two and a half force per game. They're also getting more pressures, 18 to 20, 2.22 sacks to 3.4 sacks per game. Pretty much everything in their past defense has really ticked up um, over these past uh, few, these past seven weeks. And that's really where you can see that growth for them. And so that's like, you know, what I wanted to say nice about them. And you can say like, some people might say, oh, you know, their defense is just very reliant on turnovers when they hear like um, the amount that that turnover amount has kicked up. And that maybe, you know, some of those turnovers are a bit more luck based and that turnover numbers were per Fox sports as well. Sorry. But even if you take out all plays from all fumbles and all interceptions um, over weeks 10 to 17, they're still fourth in EPA per play uh, allowed in that time uh, per NFL fast R. So Great defense any way you cut it over these last seven weeks. And, you know, just a very impressive turnaround that they've had uh, with that unit. So that's my nice thing to say. Let's start crushing them. Let's start talking some mad, you know what. Um, Although we do have a couple of things that we're maybe a little bit nervous about. Um, I have some. You have some. You can go first. I've been talking for a while. But, Dad, I I think there are definitely some matchups in this that don't necessarily favor the Packers. And, you know, Maybe there's some to do, but let's start with the ones that don't. Yeah, so things that make me nervous. I start with it. The Packers run defense against the Bears run offense. As you mentioned, the uh, the Bears run. Who would have thought the Packers don't <laughs> yeah. match up well against a run game? Who would have thought? Right. It's like this is like a team with that had a good strong a uh, strong run defense and a strong run offense. We never have trouble with those, right? No, never ever. And and we have you know, a good traditional run game and a decent, you know, quarterback run game. Where have I, where have I heard the Packers struggling with that before? I mean, not every single time we play a team with a, even a fractionally mobile quarterback seems to cause us troubles, but, and fields is much more yeah. than that. We'll actually talk about some of those numbers later that I find interesting, but sorry, I'm, sta- I'm stampling, stampeding, stampling, stampling. <laughs> trampeding, trampeding or stampling. Exactly. All over your points. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So, 
Um, as we mentioned, the, the Bears run offense is 10th by DVOA and the Packers run D is 26. So if you just look at the differential between the, the matchup, that 16 like ranking point differential is the biggest of the game. You look at the four different kind of matchups you can have, you know, Chicago run O versus Green Bay run D, Chicago run D versus Green Bay run O, Green Bay pass offense um, versus Chicago pass D and the reverse. Well, so Chicago run offense versus the Green Bay run defense is 16, you know, ranking points different. The Chicago's run D versus the Packers run offense is a 13 um, ranking point difference. The only one Green Bay actually has an advantage is in Green Bay's running offense versus the Bears run defense, which is plus 12 Green Bay. And then the the, the, the Packers run D against the Bears run O is a plus four Chicago. So they've got like three of the four sort of head-to-head match, matchups in their favor. But the, the worst is their run offense against our run D. And as you talked about with the weighted DVOA, how it's looking better. And yeah, their weighted DVOA on, on uh, offense has gone up and then their to defense has gone up to five. Well, the Packers weighted defensive DVOA. It can't be good. It it's just 30th. can't. 30th? It's okay. 30th. I'll take two teams worse than us with probably like Denver and maybe Carolina again. I don't even know. But and so other th- other things that you reasons to worry about their their, uh, their run offense in particular by DVOA they are ninth in adjusted line yards on offense, while Green Bay is twenty first in adjusted line yards on defense. It's going great per over ESPN, here. Chicago is second on offense in run block win rate to Green Bay's run stop win rate of sixteenth. By PFF, Chicago is sixth in run offense, while Green Bay's run D is twentieth, and. So all those matchups for team team group to team group are are not the odds are not always in our favor here. No, not not quite at all. And I have I and have then a specific, per, sorry, go ahead. I was just say one thing. And so, but so then among running backs with fifty carries, Herbert has been the best graded of the three running backs. Something we mentioned earlier at thirteenth in the league, um, compared to uh, right next to like Aaron Jones at fourteenth, while uh, Rashawn Johnson and Foreman are twenty first and twenty eighth respectively. So there'll be a bit of a drop off if, uh, for for whatever reason, Herbert isn't able to play. Oh yeah, and that's definitely one that I think needs to keep an eye. They, they have a hit a bunch that we talked earlier, but like the injuries where it's like nothing, nothing on Wednesday, Thursday, and then limited Friday. I almost wonder if you know maybe they're just giving them some rest. Uh, but you know that's yeah. And, and Herbert, there sounds like there's something else going on, and hopefully it's nothing serious, yeah. as you mentioned that. Uh, I don't think if he misses the game, I don't think it's because of injury. Yeah. And so the thing that I'm worried about, though, matchup wise, is the fields to DJ Moore connection and how Green Bay matches up with that specifically. Mina Kimes mentioned this on her podcast. um, But when Justin Fields targets DJ Moore this season, he's averaging 0.7 EPA per target. And so amongst wide receivers with at least 50 targets, that's the second best connection in the league. I think only CD Lamb. That's kind of crazy. Who's, right? who's first, think, like Tyreek Hill? I think CD Lamb was the only one who was high. Oh, CD Lamb was the only one. Okay. But, but either way, second in the league. And so, you know, you look at a, a pass offense that, you know, for the most part is kind of dead average by EPA per play, maybe slightly below average. Just super elite when they target DJ Moore. And the thing that makes me worried there is for FDN Fantasy, the Packers are 26th by DVOA at defending wide receiver one. Uh. Now, Jair Alexander is going to be back in this game. Um, they talked, you know, he had a nice, I think, a really nice media availability in the locker room talking about, you know, he felt like he had had a really good conversation with Matt LaFleur and, you know, felt really good about his place on the team going forward and, you know, just wants to go out there and play football, understands, you know, I think maybe a bit better about like why he should not have done what he did against the Panthers. Um, but they're going to need him to have, you know, bring his A game in this one because 
DJ Moore is the type of person, type of player that can just fully take over the game and has in many different instances. I mean, you just look back to that game against Atlanta last week. I mean, I know you have him on your fantasy team, so I know you were happy, but he was just running amok against that Atlanta secondary and he's tough. And the thing is, he's all, he's tough with the ball in his hands. He's tough going downfield. Um, and the Packers aren't exactly known as being the best tackling team in the league. So I think he could beat them a variety of different ways. They think are, I think they're going to need to you know show more attention there. But they, they have not been good against these wide receiver ones, like we said. And that is definitely a matchup that I'm a little bit worried about. Yeah, and uh, you know, the Packers tackling has not been so good. I'm a little worried about you know them paying, keep, paying attention to detail um, in terms of uh, maintaining rush lane integrity and um because we're so good at that we're so we're so good at maintaining rush lane integrity um but you know speaking of actually i think that might come later when we're talking about fields as a rusher um is there anything else you wanted to say but because there are some you know exploitable weaknesses of the bears they're not a perfect team for sure Um, no no so what what do you have there there are a couple things to go with one thing i i went with here is so a lot may depend on the availability of jalen johnson and doubtful is typically not been playing this year there's only been a bit of I, I tried to look up the numbers briefly but i couldn't find it but it's yeah, not many doubtful the, the, end up playing although you would think you know last game of the season you're not playing anymore after this that maybe that's a little less uh representative of this game who knows but yeah but anyway johnson has by far been their best defender in coverage per pff grade that's you know passer rating against when target of, of only 33.3 um, but there are other cornerbacks are not as good in coverage grade um, as he is. And he's another thing, Johnson has also had the second lowest yards per coverage snap at 0.4 out of mm-hmm. 166 corners with at least 50 coverage snaps. So he's been really good. He, um, that interests me though, because I do think it's not, the Packers are not the type of matchup where I think that matters as much because I don't think we really have if, a wide receiver if, one. If you only have one good corner, I think it's less of an impact on the Packers because they've been spreading the ball around so much. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, we don't really have a true wide receiver one. Like if this was the Packers team from two years ago with Devontae, although I don't think anyone could really guard Devontae 1v1 in those like a couple of years there where he was just unstoppable. One, two, three, three yeah, four no, guys five? covering me. Yeah. But hey, I mean, it worked. Can't can't knock yeah. more guys on him and maybe shut us down. But I, I do think, you know, this Packers team is maybe a little less susceptible to like having their offense damaged by like a really strong corner one than maybe some previous Packers. Yeah. Teams. And, the, and the, their corner also doesn't have like a lot of blazing speed. Mm-hmm. The fastest is Terrell Smith at four, four, one. And even Johnson's not that fast at four, five. How nice um, to finally have some freaking speed on offense. Right. So if you believe the Packers, we have Four, I mean, sorry, three receivers with four, three something speed. But you have Watson and Melton are like four, three, six, and four, three, four of the combine. And mm-hmm. the Packers claim Reed is four, three, seven. But he's been playing like it. Yeah, yeah, he's he like, plays fast on the field. The thing with Reed is he plays faster than he times. He plays bigger than he measures too. He's hard to tackle. Like you watch him yeah. like against the Vikings that second touchdown he had. He's just got guys draped all over him. I think back to like you know the uh, slant that 
love threw to him against the Lions, the one where Watson runs the wrong route and it's just in the pocket. But oh, that one where it practically hits the defender covering Watson. Yeah, but right after that, like as he catches it, like I think it's kind of lost because like the throw is so bonkers. But he's wearing a dude like a backpack practically and like just like forces his way like an extra three or four yards into the end zone, which is like. His core strength must be just ridiculous. Um, for me, though, the, I think one exploitable weakness of the Bears is, you know, outside of Montez Sweat, there really isn't anyone that intimidates you from a pass rushing perspective. Um, this is per PFF over the course of their seven, you know, five and two stretch over seven from week 10 to now. He's averaging almost five pressures a game. The next closest is around three, which is Demarcus Walker. So no one else really intimidates you on that defensive line they got some nice young players you know javon dexter like pretty good out of florida he's had a pretty decent year he's also averaging i think close to around three pressures a game but sweat's really the main guy that you need to worry about in this matchup and there aren't really any other like massive game changers which is why you know the addition of sweat was so important because they pretty much were lacking they They were were so lacking in juice in the pass rush and it was really um damaging their entire Oh, yeah. defense with getting no pressure before mm-hmm. they added him. Yeah. Um, but dad, let's move on to our next part because there are some things that we certainly hope the Packers do in this game. They don't always listen to us. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes honestly, for the, usually sometimes for the better, better. We are, not, Hey, we're just, we're just here speculating based on, you know, Hey, this team's pretty good at this. This seems pretty good at that, et cetera, et cetera. But dad, what do you hope the Packers do in this game in terms of like approach to how they would attack the, the bears? So some people might say this is a little crazy, but I'd like to see the Packers blitz fields. That's it's um, risky. It's risky. It is risky, but I was looking through all the numbers. So he, um, digging through some of the PFF data. He's 25th in the league in passer rating when blitzed among 38 quarterbacks with at least 200 dropbacks. Mm-hmm. And the the difference between how good he is without a blitz and with a blitz, so basically taking his rating um, when not blitzed and subtracting his rating when blitzed. He's 24th in the league in terms of maintaining his performance while blitzed. You know, QBs who, so there are some QBs who are even better blitzed than not blitzed, and he's not one of those. He's only 25th in the league in avoiding turnover-worthy plays when he's blitzed for dropback. And he's only 26th in yards per attempt when blitzed. And he's also only 26th in the league in number of first downs per per turnover-worthy play when blitzed. So your reward for blitzing seems to be much greater than the average risk. And that was something that I felt like they did actually a really good job of last week against Jaron Hall and Nick Mullins is they were sending extra guys way more than like they generally do. They're like, I think, near the lower end of the league in blitz rate. Um but they were sending, you know, Keyshawn Nixon, Quay Walker, these extra rushers, Keyshawn from the slot. And I thought they did it to like very good results. So I wonder if, you know, maybe that's a conscious change that, you know, after several weeks of like very subpar defensive, like I wonder if like that wasn't necessarily just a matchup specific thing. I wonder if that's like a switch that they're trying to turn right now. And they're like, we just got to send some guys because we need to create a little more. Because I think the biggest thing with Joe Barry's defense to me is like, they're very static. They don't run a lot of different stuff. And there's almost no chaos from the defense. I would like to introduce maybe a little more chaos in the defense. Uh, a little le- a little less predictability for the for the opposing offense. I mean, did you I see also that- though I I don't expect us to I, I expect to see a lot of zone this week. Oh yeah. I yeah. expect eyes on the quarterback. Mind. I don't mind. I don't mind zone. I, I, and I'd like to have a spy. 
Yeah, the, the thing is, zone doesn't have to be. I think a lot of people hear zone and think passive. Zone does not have to be passive. You can, you can still be up at the line of scrimmage zone. on zone. Yeah, and and you can be like not lined up eight yards back. Like you could be lined up like four yards back. Like the you don't, and you could be coming downhill as a safety as opposed to backpedaling on the snap. Like there are ways to play zone aggressively. I think people like zones become like a like kind of like a trigger word for people. It just, it's it's like, just I think people think. That that zone just equals um, well, prevent defense, is, which that's is how, that's how we play. That's how we played it, right? <laughs> problem. Um, for me, though, I hope the Packers in this game. Um, what I hope they do is I hope they're willing to run on early downs. Um, we're still, I'm still looking at that since Week Ten split for the Bears. So while they're elite um, against the pass on first and second down, they're actually first by success rate allowed on first and second down as a defense since Week Ten. They're only 16th. They're only average against the run on early downs. Um, so in, in terms of success rate, that is, they're 16th. So, you know, you can stay ahead of the sticks running on first and second down against this Bears team. Um, they are, you know, overall pretty good run defense. But per success rate, like, you you can stay ahead of the sticks, like I said. On, and I, so I hope the Packers are willing to, you know, be patient with the run game on those early downs. And I think that there's like some ability there to not get into third and longs, keep drives, you know, sustainable, um, you know, maybe even avoid getting into third downs altogether. Um, it's definitely something I'm keeping an eye on in this one, because I think there is something there, you know, I think on like at first glance, like it's like, dang, it's really hard to run on the Bears. But, you know, at, at least on first and second down, I think early when they're maybe not in as heavy fronts. Um, I think you can you can maybe get some there's there's some success to be had there. Sorry, I kind of long spiraling towards my point as I often do, but I, I did think that that was something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and speaking about keeping an eye on and connected to what you said, yeah, we could move on to keep don't take your eye off that guy. Yeah, which is you and, know not necessarily who we think is necessarily going to have a huge game, but players who like if they play well their team will be good. And if they don't, like, where a lot of things hinge on their performance. I think you had, I think I know who you had. I think I do. Go ahead. Yeah, so, well, you, you can look, look at it and, and no. peek ahead. No. But my guy is Aaron Jones, who's really been kind of, um, it really makes a difference Dylan in the out. offense. Especially what? with Dylan out. Yeah. And over the last four weeks, he is number one in the league in PFF grade among running backs. Let's go, Jones. Uh, or for rushing grade. The and thing, third in overall offensive grade among running backs. When he's healthy, he is, he's so good. He's just so yeah. good when he's, he's out there. So explosive when he hits the hole and 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 the extra yards gets. And and he, he is, was sorry, just to cut you off one more time. He was pretty much the reason they won the first time. Like he was yeah. the, almost the entire reason they won Week One against the Bears is that massive throwback screen, and then the uh, little kind of you know Texas route out of the backfield, and where he just left. Uh, uh, is it TJ? TJ Edwards in the dust um, in cover. Yeah, that's the one where he pulled his hammy on. Yeah, yeah. But but he was the main reason they won that game. And so I think it's a really good highlight for you to pick him for this one. Yeah. And and in that time frame, he's fifth in um, the league and runs over 10 yards over the, these last four weeks with 10 of them. And uh, also fifth in first downs with 16. He is fourth in yards per carry and ninth in yards after contact oh, per God. attempt over the last four games. And yeah, the Chicago defense has been like overall good against the run lately, but, but Jones had a big game last week against Minnesota's run defense, which was ninth by DVOA coming into the game. Yeah. So I, th- I think keep an eye on him. And if he does what he did last week, I think the Packers will win pretty handily. 
Yeah, you stole mine. I was leaning towards maybe picking Jones. Ah, that's what happens when you get when you when, when you, you get when to create the document and get your stuff in first. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's a it is a race. It is a little bit of a race. Um, but I think you know I feel happy with my pick. I was going to pick Zach Tom in this one. Uh, Montez Sweat, like we talked about, is really you know the heart and soul of their pass rush. Um, and he, you know, 632 of his 732 snaps have been lined up against the right tackle, 86% of his snaps. Um, so he's going to be matched up with Tom a lot in this one. Um, Tom did quite well against Daniel Hunter last week. We're going to need a repeat performance. And, you know, I think if Tom can win that matchup more times than he loses it, then I think the Packers, you know, it would go a long way to helping the Packers win this game. Yeah, so I would say it seemed like last week Daniel Hunter had most of his success when he moved inside over uh, Myers. I, w- I wonder if the Bears see that and are like, "Okay, <laughs> you right here, ISO, ISO, come here." You know, the, I, the, wonders, like, I wonder. I wonder if they go, you know, so far off their tendencies. Yes, he's like has barely he's gone anywhere, looked. but but uh, over the right tackle. Yeah, I I, I doubt they do because they just haven't done it at all. But you know, it could be a curveball that they're looking to pitch, especially after seeing what Daniel Hunter did last week. But Dad, let's move on to you know our last section, overtime. Uh, this is where we get to talk about some things that maybe we hadn't got to touch on yet that we found interesting. I've got something that I think might be a little spicy, a little hot take, and I'm sure is 100% going to come back to burn me. Uh, but Dad, what did you have first? Um, so I have basically that love is on a heater. Oh yeah. Um, since oh yeah, he's on a heater after road. week 11. Love is second in the league in EPA plus. Completion percentage over expected, including being second in EPA per play, fifth in success rate, and second in completion percentage over expected. And remember, in the first half of the year, his combined number was okay, but his but it was it dragged down by a bad terrible. completion percentage over yeah. expected. And now he's second, you know, over the second half of the year, he's second in the league in that. He's also first in PFF offensive grade among all QBs and second in um, PFF passing grade over these last six weeks. And he's second in the league in touchdown passes with 14 over that span. And having it has fewer interceptions than any QB in the top 14 in TDs um, during that time. He's with only with 14, 14, what, 14 touchdowns and one interception. He is playing the last six weeks. out of his mind. The last like seven weeks. The last seven weeks is like 1,800 yards, 16 touchdowns, one pick. I mean, he's, he's playing yeah. out of his mind right now. And it, the other thing I wanted to mention is it doesn't really seem to matter too much who he's throwing to. That's when you tell a, a quarterback is really on a hot streak. Like last week, um, if you look at PFF grade amongst all receivers um, last week, Reed was second in the league and Melton was sixth in receiving grade amongst all wide receivers mm-hmm. in week 17. Yeah, no, I, I, he's playing really freaking well. You know, just just keep moving. Just keep carrying that forward, you know? For me, though, the thing that I um, wanted to touch on is Justin Fields running. We haven't talked about it yet. Um, Obviously, you know, super dynamic rusher and athlete. Um, And the Packers are pretty poor against running quarterbacks, as we've detailed. Um, Fields has the most rushing yards per game this season, per stat muse, at 52.5 yards per game. Um, And the Packers are allowing the third most rushing yards to quarterbacks per football DB. So, you know, that's uh, good against bad, as we would say. Although I did find that, you know, um, per like, you know, some more advanced numbers, he's not as efficient as a running back amongst quarterbacks as I would have expected. Um, so on designed runs, this is per NFL fast R, um, his 0.022 EPA per play, uh, ranks just 13th amongst quarterbacks with at least 10 carries. 
So that was a bit surprising that he was, you know, kind of more middle of the pack amongst uh, quarterbacks on design runs. Still a very, you know, efficient play. Like if you looked at it in terms of like running games in general, it would be, you know, it would be the equivalent of the second best running game in the league. But, you know, just like quarterback design runs are just generally more efficient as is, especially when you're good at them because you're not running them as much and they're a little more, you know, the element of surprise, as they would say. Um, but yeah, so just 13th amongst quarterbacks with at least 10 carries um, in EPA per play on design runs. And then as a scrambler, uh, his 0.65 EPA per play also ranks 13th amongst quarterbacks with at least 10 scrambles. Um, you know, still a very efficient play, but, you know, just look at, you know, scrambles in general are super undervalued, actually. They are like crazy efficient. I think last year, Ben Solak wrote a piece about how like the average scramble is as valuable as a Mahomes pass, which is just insane to think about. Um, A lot of that is, you know, a bit just like a lot of scrambles are happening near the goal line. A lot of scrambles are happening on third down. So, you know, more high leverage plays in general. But I did still think it was interesting, you know, just 13th amongst quarterbacks with at least 10 carries. Obviously, we know that he's super dynamic with his legs. And this is obviously going to come back to bite me. But I did just find it interesting that, you know, despite, you know, leading the league in yards per game, his EPA per play um, on both design runs and scrambles is, you know, still just like not quite even top 10 uh, amongst other quarterbacks. Um, Some of that's, you know, some of the fumbling. But I think even if you took that out, uh, he was just ninth, if I remember correctly, in EPA per play on scrambles. I don't remember the one on design runs off the top of my head. But yeah, so I just found that interesting. Um, obviously, I'm super jinxing it, and it's going to suck when he runs like two different 70-yard touchdowns like Kaepernick. Um, but yeah, uh, it right, is what it is. Cool. <laughs> Kaepernick a 70-yard or scramble up the, up the A-gap. Or Fields, again, he's done it before. Or Daniel Jones, or Tommy DeVito. I mean, we have seen just like a billion different running backs, sorry, a billion different quarterbacks run for just a ton on us. So I shouldn't even be saying anything, but I just like was in my research, found those stats and I, you know, thought they were vaguely interesting. So I figured I'd throw them in here, but dad, let's start wrapping things up. Bottom line, the bears win. If blank. Um, what I have is if they can force multiple green Bay turnovers without turning it over themselves. You know, that's kind of been what they've been doing. One of the things they've been doing well lately is forcing more turn, more turnovers, but I don't mm-hmm. think it'll be enough. If they just get one turnover, unless it is coupled with God forbid, a special some kind of special teams touchdown. Oh, man, just don't even put that out there in the ether, Dad. That like it it would happen too. It would, and because the thing is, we have not yet had our monstrous special teams mistake of the year yet. We've had some bad ones. We had the Rashid Shahid punt return touchdown. We've had the muff punt against Minnesota. We've had some other muff punts. We had the Keyshawn double fumble. We we've had some bad ones, but we have not yes, yet had that was fully, a bad one. fumble get up and fumble again. We have not yet had the fully backbreaking fumble yet, and I I just feel it or backbreaking you know block punt or block kick or et cetera et cetera et cetera. It's 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 definitely needling at the back of my head that we're maybe due for that. Um, for me though, I had uh, I was actually also going to say if Green Bay doesn't take care of the football, but I'll my secondary one is the Bears win if the secondary of Green Bay can't contain DJ Moore if he's just you know, taking screens 20 yards down the field, 30 yards down the field. If he is, you know, catching him down the sideline like he was against Atlanta, I think that's going to be a tough one for the Packers to handle. Other side of the coin, though, Dad, Packers win if blank. I have basically, if they don't get, like, gashed by the, from the Bears' run game and, and can actually force the Bears into enough passing situations um, by not letting them just, like, run ahead of the six over and over again and have, like, you know, third and one, third and two, 
or convert first down with two run plays. Um, Cause I just don't think the bears are going to be able to do enough for the passing game. If they have to throw the ball, don't hold, don't hold your breath on stopping the run game. I'm just going to say that uh, for me though. I had the Packers. Well, that's just kind of, yeah, I guess you could say it's kind of like saying if the hand of God comes down and stops the, the bears offense is, is the same. Is that the same as asking that the, the bears aren't going to run the ball all over the Packers? If they take the mask off of Joe Barry, like after the game, Scooby-Doo style, it's like <laughs> Wade Phillips or something like that. I don't even know. Um, but I have a, you know, Packers win if they stay patient on offense. Um, I think as long as they don't have to be, you know, they're not trying to force anything. I think that they're, they should be able to, you know, move the ball well enough. Um, however, let's get down to score prediction, dad, wrapping things up here. Last game, potentially last game of the season might be our last preview pod. You never know. Um, but don't worry folks. If, but as we said earlier, I'm hoping this, there's still four more to go after this one. Yes, hopefully. Um, but if it, and one successful post game pod. Um, but if it is our last one, don't worry. We will be doing one episode a week during the off season. Anyways, we'll be talking about free agency, coaching staff moves, the draft. We love the draft over here at Father Son Packer. We will be getting deep into the weeds on prospects, mock drafts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So don't turn that dial as they would say, but dad, score prediction for this game. What do you got? I'm feeling good. I'm going, and I like the way the Packers' offense has been playing. I'm going Green Bay 31, Chicago 17. Nice, nice. I'm going Green Bay 24, Chicago 14. Uh, that's what I got for this one. Hoping for the best, you know, knock on wood for both of those. Um, but yeah, let's go take care of business. Let's go just make, you know, let's go make some noise. Who knows? Who knows what would happen? Um, but anyway, this has been the Father Son Packers podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes out, stats we find interesting when we're doing research for these pods, articles we find interesting, videos we find interesting from other Packers content creators, pieces of Packers news, including injury reports, roster moves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, come give us a follow. Once again, that's at Father Son Packer. And then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube as well. If you want to subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers. Once again, we are doing an episode a week in the off season, so don't turn that dial. Um, and yeah, come hang out with us. You know, come keep listening. We appreciate it. Give us feedback, comment, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like. And until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.